page 835, and it's taken from the book of Luke, and it follows immediately after Jesus' 40 days in the desert and temptations by the devil. And it's basically the beginning of his public ministry. And he returns to his native land. And of course he goes to the synagogue because that's the place where public pronouncements of the day uh, were made and debated and where the elders of the community gathered. And so it begins, <coughs> chapter 4, 16 through 21. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. May the Lord bless this reading to our understanding.
Thank you, Pilgrim Band. Let's be in a spirit of prayer together. Let us pray. God, enter into our hearts this day and open us wide open that your word might convict us, that it might move us, that it might comfort us, that it might bother us, that somehow, God, it might transform us And in transforming us, we might work for the day when the world is transformed for the good. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. And again from that text, Jesus unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of the sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Who was Harriet Tubman? Harriet Tubman. Now, most of us probably learned at least a little about her in history class. Maybe you've seen the 2019 movie Harriet, the biographical film about her life just nominated for two Academy Awards. Maybe you look forward to the day when her image will be on the $20 bill, a symbol for racial inclusion and visibility in our shared life as a nation. Who was Harriet Tubman? Well, you could say she was the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King of her day, before and during and after the Civil War. 
And like him, she was both hated and loved, famous and infamous, depending on where you stood on the question of slavery and racial equality. So let me give you a quick introduction to her life. She was born in 1822 on the eastern shore of Maryland. Like almost all African Americans then, she was born into slavery, into oppression, into the cruel world of one group of human beings actually owning another group of human beings. At the age of 12, she was struck in the head by a heavy metal weight thrown at her by an angry slave owner. And so for the rest of her life, she suffered from seizures. Seizures that she said connected her directly to God and caused her to hear as God spoke to her and told her that she was to be free and others too, and that she was called as a Christian to be an emancipator for her people. In 1849, she fled her owners and walked solo more than 100 miles from Maryland to the free state of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. But almost immediately, she turned back and went for her family. And by the time the Underground Railroad was in full swing, including right in this area. There are houses in Sherburne and Natick where actually you can find the hiding places. At that time, as the abolitionist movement was born and flourished in the pulpits of New England congregational churches, Tubman would eventually bring 70 slaves to freedom. She was also the first woman to lead a combat mission in the Civil War and that battle led to the freeing of 750 slaves in South Carolina. But at the heart of Tubman's life and ministry was one theme and one hope and one idea and one vision and one prayer and one need and one focus of her destiny, the universal desire of every single human being, then and now and always, to be free to be free. So I want you to take a second now and watch with me this trailer for that movie, Harriet, and especially the first scene um, in that. (coughs) Matt. You can hold it. So I apologize for that. Happens every once in a while. Um, So if you could have heard the words that she spoke just before she jumped into that raging river, because she was trying to escape her owner who was coming after her. She said, I'm going to be free or die. I'm going to be free or die. This week, as I learned more and more about the life of Harriet Tubman, her faith, her courage, her energy, her convictions, her work, I could not imagine what life was like for her. I could not imagine what it meant to be born enslaved to literally be the property of another person in the womb, pre-birth. Can you imagine that? I could not imagine the daily violence she faced, her degradation as being seen as chattel by her owners and pro-slavery folks, not a human, kind of an object, a commodity, so you could have heard in the, um, that clip, the master 
kind of speaks to her as if she is a wild animal and he's trying to calm her down. Can you imagine that? I could not imagine choosing death over enslavement, giving life up rather than living in chains. As Tubman said, I had reasoned this out in my mind. There was one of two things I had a right to, liberty or death. If I could not have one, I would have the other. I could not imagine having the physical strength or the courage. You know, she was barely five feet tall. To have the strength to walk 100 miles alone, mostly at night, through the wilderness, while being hunted, I could not imagine arriving in that promised land and then turning right around to go back for those I love. Can you imagine that? Or being the only woman in a band of African-American soldiers and leading them into a risky battle. I cannot imagine that. Can you? And then there's her faith. She believed with all her heart and soul that the Lord went with her every single step of the way, that the Lord guided her in all she did gave her the vision of being a conductor on the Underground Railroad. This is what she said about her work. God's time is always near. He set the North Star in the heavens. He gave me the strength in my limbs. He meant I should be free. I cannot imagine the life that Tubman lived, the hardships she faced, and yet I feel like I must at least try, that I have to hear her story and the stories of others who have suffered and been oppressed as fellow children of God, I can even have empathy, holy empathy for them. Empathy is the human and God-given gift and commitment to at least try and understand and maybe even enter into the feelings of another person, to wonder what it is like to live as another, especially someone else who is different than us, as Harriet Tubman or Reverend King, or folks of color, or people who were slaves, or really anyone in our lives whom we might be tempted to think we could never really understand. Empathy, to see other children of God as real, as flesh and blood human beings just like us, to see the other as just as worthy as you and I of God's love, of human dignity, and of freedom. Holy empathy to try and enter into the experience of others. And so we have Jesus in today's scripture in the first public act of his ministry. He returns to his hometown of Nazareth. He walks into the temple. He takes one of the holy scrolls of the Torah. He unrolls it, and then he reads it. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me to bring good news to the poor and release to the captives and the slaves. And Charlie didn't go on in the scripture, but I wish he had because what happens is the people in his hometown start saying, Is this little Jesus, Joseph's little boy? And then he tells them a parable, and they get so angry at him that they carry him as a crowd out to the cliff in Nazareth, and they're going to throw him off the cliff. And he sneaks away. It's an amazing story, but it just goes to show that everybody wasn't always hurrah for Jesus. He pricked a lot of consciences. But one of the most amazing aspects of Jesus' life was how he encountered and treated and loved those, especially those who suffered in his world, the ones he met in his travels, how he entered right into their experiences. 
And so even as women in that world were treated as second-class citizens, were subject to the unquestioned authority of husbands and brothers and fathers, Jesus always met women as equals, as worthy of freedom as anyone else. Jesus saw the poor not as guilty of causing their own poverty, but as people entitled to respect and freedom from want. Jesus saw the sick not as unclean or folks to be rejected, but instead he waded right into their pain and he touched them and he healed them. The taxpayer, the prostitute, all of these people enslaved by that world, and yet Jesus, he never saw them or treated them as less than. And friends, the cross, the cross is the ultimate symbol of holy empathy. Jesus, entering to the pain of the world, taking it all upon his shoulders, all the way to the cross, unto death, and yet beyond, to redemption for any and all who want to be free in the deepest sense. Years ago, I led a high school youth group to New York City, and one of our participants was a wonderful young woman named Ruth. Ruth, perhaps more than the other kids, Ruth was really convicted by and affected by the work we did with so many homeless folks that one week. Folks who lived in doorways and under highway overpasses, who struggled with mental illness and addiction, folks who are often so invisible in the world, maybe even blamed by others for their plight. So Ruth was especially taken with one man, a Vietnam veteran named Joe, whom she got to know and served supper and heard his story and played chess with him a couple of nights at the shelter. And then on the last night of our work, as we left the homeless shelter and said goodbye to Joe, we walked on a rainy summer night through Times Square. And as Ruth and I talked about how hard it is to see other human beings hurt so much and how worried she was about Joe, what would happen to him, Ruth began to weep, to cry so many tears for Joe. And as I listened to Ruth and saw her tears, saw her heart breaking wide open, saw her empathy and love for Joe, I knew that Ruth's faith and her life had been transformed by that relationship. From being an observer of the human condition to being a full participant in another's condition. From being sympathetic to human pain to being empathetic to human pain. To seeing a guy like Joe not as a stranger, not as someone else's problem, not as a statistic, not as an it or an object or a thing, but Joe as her brother and Joe as her responsibility. Do you hear that? Friends, in many ways, I believe the essence of being a Christian begins with holy empathy. When we can imagine what it is like to live as another, especially the other who is so different than us, like a brave escaped slave who risked her life to save others, like a powerful preacher who used the pulpit and the church as the center of a racial revolution in the United States, to see the other not as the other, but as friend, as sister and brother in the family of God. We begin to serve others best as Jesus did when we have the moral insight to imagine life as a homeless person or a drug addict, 
or a Metco kid at the high school who rides the bus two hours round trip from Dorchester each day and just needs a friend, or the next-door neighbor and widow who needs us to care, or maybe someone in your family that you have so much trouble understanding, or anyone in this life who, just like us, needs to be free, needs to be loved, and to love. Can we imagine life, the life that others live in this world? If we invite Jesus into that holy empathy, if we break our hearts wide open like Ruth did for Joe, if we are willing to lose ourselves in the cause of loving others in the name of Jesus Christ, I believe that we can imagine life for and as someone else in holy empathy. That is the beginning of holy love and holy freedom. Let all God's people say, Amen.